0: Over the line! Hello and welcome to another episode of Over Under Movies, the podcast in which we pick one overrated and one underrated movie uh, that connect in any style, genre, narrative, director, or however we see fit. I am Oktai Ege Kozak. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Eric McClanahan. Holy shit. Yeah, we have... Yeah, Eric, what? Yeah, we have Eric McClanahan's triumphant return um, uh, after a while, after he took a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, we're going to be talking about uh, icky and gross and super disturbing serial killer movies. So, of course, you know, second he heard that, he had to... He had to join in. <laughs> Fucking knew that was gonna happen. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like it's like Candyman. Uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like you start talking about like some disturbing, weird, gritty, fucked up uh, horror movie. Eric will be on the scene, so he couldn't help himself as usual. Uh, but yeah, but uh, aside from that, thank you so much for for joining us, man. Um, it looks like uh, we're gonna have you from time to time, and that's that's really exciting for us.
1: Yeah, it's well, really thanks, man. To have you back. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'm really glad to be back. It's it's good to be back on mic with y'all.
0: Yeah, yeah, dude. And uh, yeah, so we um, we are doing the second part of our post-Halloween uh, horror movie uh, picks. These are Ryan's picks. And I think the, the connected tissue here is like really gritty, grimy, super disturbing uh, serial killer films that are told from the perspective of the killer, told entirely from the perspective of the killer, not like Psycho, where it's just like, it kind of like jumps back and forth or something. Um, And uh, Ryan's overrated pick is going to be the original 1980 version of Maniac, directed by William Lustig. And his underrated pick is a 1983 uh, German horror film called angst uh which actually translates to fear but um don't be afraid it's not like it's the original version of the mark Wahlberg movie or something <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a completely different movie um and uh so without further ado let's just hear it from ryan why why'd you pick these two as uh, overrated and underrated
2: um I, first of all, I guess they, they pair uh, incredibly well together as, as you perfectly laid out. And uh, with a little help from uh, Eric who suggested uh maniac um, as, as a potential overrated, I didn't remember much about the movie uh, except for the, uh, T- terrific head explosion uh in the, in the like first act of the movie that was the like the one thing that i really remembered about the movie
0: it's that uh, tom savini shot his own head yes yes tom savini did <laughs> the special the effects thing about for it. this
2: movie uh and they are really good um mm-hmm. but i think the main difference between uh maniac and angst um yes both films do tell the story from the perspective of the killer but maniac has i, I think there's a um I, I, there's a sort of distance, I guess, to the movie um, where it doesn't feel if it wasn't for the fact that it's from the killer's perspective, it would kind of probably fall into the like sort of bargain bin off brand slashers that were, were made in the throughout the 80s in the wake of Halloween and Friday the 13th success. And I think the thing that this movie has going for it, other than the the makeup effects, is just that it's a fresh take on the serial killer uh the fresh take on the slasher by telling it from the slasher's perspective but it 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 is sort of just like a a gory it isn't till the last third of this movie that it becomes interesting it's really it's really repetitive it's really just kind of like a series of okay this he now kills this person and then takes their scalp and takes to their apartment and then now he kills this person and then and it isn't until like close to the end of the movie where it's like oh now it's finally kind of interesting whereas angst is um it's a lot like um you know in uh in in manhunter and in the hannibal uh tv series uh will graham um has the gift has the gift of like having empathy for the serial killer. And that's like Mm. the struggle for that character that he um, you know, he always worries that he's going to be in those shoes too long or like if he's going to come back um, being on like on the right side, like come back to, to sanity and angst is pretty much like 75 minutes of putting you into that perspective. Like it it is, (laughs) it is not for everybody. Like I should, I should preface that up front but the movie, like, I've never seen a movie like that. Any any movie, uh, even the great, like, movies about serial killers that, like, really, really puts you into that perspective and make you understand. There's always some kind what... of
0: moral distance, even in, like, the most in-your-face type of films well, like even, this. Even I'm... Maniac,
2: there's a somewhat of a moral <laughs> distance because you're kind of a casual observer to that mm-hmm. character, you know? Whereas, like angst is it's immersive like you are you are stuck with this character you see things from his perspective you you were with him when he's doing this depraved deranged horrendous acts and and there's no way like there's no escape from that like you you are completely in that mindset and i've never quite seen a movie like that uh whereas maniac for you know it does some things well but it just kind of Again, I think there is a distance to that movie, and I think if it wasn't from the slasher perspective, it would just be another sort of off-brand slasher movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Derek, do you want to go or? Yeah, sure.
1: No, up? yeah, no, I, absolutely. Um, I because I think about what Ryan was saying there, uh, couldn't couldn't agree more either. Uh, with with your take on both, is uh, it just sort of reminded me of? I think it was Christopher Nolan who said it this summer when Dunkirk came out that for him. 70 millimeter is 3d without the glasses i I might be it might be another filmmaker that said that correct me if i'm wrong you guys Mm. but um it just occurs to me that like the point of that quote whoever said it to me is that like good filmmaking should immerse the viewer and you shouldn't necessarily need a gimmick like 3d to make it quote unquote more immersive and i think like angst based on like ryan you just kind of this in my head, as you were talking about how immersive it is, is it? it's like one of the best arguments for why 3D is not necessary because it is so incredibly terrifyingly immersive. And as a cinematic experience, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's what I love about it. It's what, uh, I, I, you know, what you were saying, you loved about it too, Ryan, it's, it is, it is necessary to sort of give that caveat, warn people that angst is not for everybody but if you like art film and you're able to sort of watch something that you can be immersed in and also sort of like clinically, like just observe something that you normally wouldn't want to, you know, something hard to watch, something challenging, if you like challenging films and, or you are a whore fan in any rung of that ladder, you know, of being a whore fan, I think it's at least like well worth someone's time in that regard. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of this movie and uh, I remember Gaspar Noé talking about this movie before it was ever as easily available as it is now. Uh, Talking about it on Vice, I think, when he was making Enter the Void and he referenced it with a couple other films, but uh, it's one of those things where that's where it got on my radar. And ever since then, I was like looking for it, found a torrent online, watched it, and then like just to see it kind of bubble up in its own Subtle way into the pop culture, like the fact that people can find this movie and that there's a Blu-ray of it, especially considered the history with the director and the fact that he is sort of embarrassed he made this movie. You know, stuff we can get into. Uh, it's it's so cool the time we live in that a film like this is like been lovingly restored and um there's a great Blu-ray out there. It's it, you can stream it on Shutter, I think. Yeah, uh, I, was, you know, I like, didn't
2: want to cut you off, but I was gonna also say that that it was. It's available on Shutter. It's really easily available to to watch this th- movie. And I
1: think, I think Amazon as well. Um, you can find it on Amazon. Like through, uh, if you have an Amazon account, I think you can find it there as well through Shutter. Some, somehow. Um, There's it's Amazon channels.
2: So if you have a Prime account, you can subscribe to different account- like different services through Amazon Video. Shutter's one of them.
0: And, and that's just like like just as a side note. That's just just so amazing to me so interesting <laughs> yeah. that we can just do that now because this movie do you guys know the the definition of like the term video nasty like oh yes it was it was a thing especially during the early 80s and in like i think mainly in england like all these yeah. videos like that like they were i think evil dead is like the the biggest one that you can like people bring up but all these videos that were like forbidden or they were like uh, banned that people went through, jumped through many hoops just to be able to get, like, a shitty third dub uh, VHS copy of of movies like this, of movies that have been, like, super hard to get your hands on. And angst is definitely, like, it's the kind of movie that's, like, a definition of a video nasty. It's a truly, Mm -hmm. like, disturbing um, and artistically incredibly well-made, but it is a truly disturbing and violent film. And uh, the fact that in 2017, you can just, like, get on your Amazon Prime or whatever <laughs> and just stream a movie like this is, is is crazy to me, especially, like, considering, you know, like, becoming a cinephile in the 90s and uh, having so much trouble getting my hands on, like, these kinds of hard-to-find stuff. And now we have, like, four, five, six different ways that we can straight-up stream um a film like this uh, and a pristine
1: that's, cut of it too and you know? a great
0: great amazing like blu-ray 1080p copy is just it's it's incredible
1: it is and, man. In,
0: a, in a way it's in a way it's it's uh it's a, it's kind of a gift and a curse it's a gift in the way that like you can access all this stuff but it's just it, it also like it kind of erodes the It it kind of brings up the nostalgia of like the specialty of being that like kind of a cinephile or a fanboy just like the 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 hunt of like going after these movies like that that rush of that 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 culture of that is like kind of gone like that's that's uh, that that kind of feels a little bit sad for me but at the same time it's like you know it's uh, don't look a gift horse in the mouth being able to um watch movies like this like instantaneously is a uh is a great great gift for cinephiles at the same time
1: I should just add really, really quick. Um, I think you said it was a German film, Octave, but my cinephile nerddom could not let that slide. I, it's Austrian, actually.
0: Austrian. How dare um, you? Yeah, sorry about that. It's okay. But, uh, I, just, I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> but yeah, I, just to, I, just, I just wanted to kind of generally say about Angst is that it is extremely successful in what it tries to achieve, but then the question becomes like, is that a good thing? And I think that's the kind of question that the director himself... Asked in a way that like maybe he felt that he was a little too good in letting the audience into the mind of a serial killer that <laughs> made him kind of reassess uh the kind of films that he wanted to make or like i don't know why he kind of dropped off the face of the earth as far as he had, had money issues too careers is concern yeah i'm sure and then the film was kind of um, was banned everywhere at, pretty like, was, much was banned and um Seen as gross and disgusting, and and in in many ways, but I don't think it's you know the difference between Angst and Maniac. I feel like is that Maniac is an exploitation film. It is going for that kind of shock value, and that's why it's so episodic and repetitive, and doesn't really have a lot of tangible themes or uh, psychological angles or any kind of a study of the character of this this the serial killer really beyond any sort of surface level mainly because it's all about like the, the rush of each set piece being like stacked back to back. It's just to see, it's just basically a series of short films, short a series of like short snuff films in many way. Like it's uh, just to watch like, okay, it's just the repetition of like, he's going to go and kill someone and then come back home and, you know, nail the, uh, the uh, scalps onto the mannequins and then, you know, have like a, uh, like a psycho ripoff, Norman Bates type of talk with the mannequins, and then like go out and kill again. And uh, it just kind of goes like this. And then I feel like, yeah, like you said, Ryan, it just feels like around like the 60 minute mark, like someone realized like, well, maybe we should add like some kind of story or other type of characters to this thing. And then this entire feature's worth of story development takes place within like 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. and, then, and, then the, and then the film just basically abruptly ends and all that like kind of character development of what happens in it is completely unplausible because <laughs> he is like the, the guy who plays the killer is, I mean, he co-wrote it. Uh, Joe Spinell. Spinell. Yeah. And he, um he's kind of perfectly cast for that role, but almost yep. like too perfectly cast because you look at this dude and like immediately you're just like, there's something off about him. And for him to basically sell himself off as like a artist who gets like, who, who almost woos, like shows himself to be a little bit attractive to this like really beautiful photographer woman. And this woman is like totally into him and all that. And not only is that completely nonsensical because we're not given enough time to develop that relationship, but it's also like the second you look at like, you know, there's this, near the end she's like, hey, let's go out on a date. She's like that woman would never date a dude like that. Like, <laughs> it's not just because of like the way he looked, but it's because of like how like creepy he is. Awkward and creepy he naturally is. And so I was just like, even the little bit of story that they tried to like insert in there was kinda of, it ended up being making it worse. So I feel like almost as if like a more streamlined approach, just letting the movie play out the way it is. And then having it end the way it does, which is like, I think, I think that's a pretty cool ending apart from like the jump scare at the very, very end. And that's just like, so mm. and stupid. The, the hand but,
2: comes out of the grave. It's like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what it is. Basically. So it's. operatic um, and ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> but, but I like, I like the, the weird creepy way it ends in a like kind of non-traditional way. But, um but yeah, they had no idea about like where the script was going or, any kind of a, like a story structure about this thing. And it was just like a series of these really gross set pieces that are, um, I kind of want to play a game with you guys, like called, um, let's call it, is it suspense or filler? And, um, so (laughs) it (laughs) during any scene, do you feel like, because there are many scenes in this where like the, the suspense just like drags out beyond any means of, uh, kind of gripping the audience or something like that because this is suspense is all about timing mm-hmm. and there are a lot of scenes in this especially the scene in the bathroom where he's like stalking this random woman again it's just like we know how the scene is going to end like there's this like one moment of like that looks like one moment of respite where it's just like oh she's she's free she's like you know exactly how the scene is going to end and that from that moment to the end of the scene, it just, like, drags on for so long. Are you referring and to the so one that's
2: towards, like, the end of the movie when he's yeah. in that woman's house? Yeah, yeah. See, I actually think that one's suspense. I was going to disagree with you on that one. That's the only that's scene in the movie. That one, that that's the on only scene ways. in the movie. Oh, see, that's the only scene in the movie I thought, where I was like, okay, if more of these sequences were actually like this, that were are actually, like, trying... Like, yes, we know how it's going to end, but there was an attempt to, like, ratchet up the tension. Like, the way they pivot the camera around the corners and like obscure things in the frame. Like they actually, like they, they attempted it where like everything else, I mean, as you know, as awesome as that aforementioned head explosion is, you know, there's no (laughs) real tension to that scene. It's just like, they park the car. So you're just like, Oh yeah, he's going to come in and do something (laughs) to them. I don't know what it is, but we know exactly what's going to happen. Like there's no tension. He just shows up and, and, blast a shotgun to his head so yeah, I, I
0: can i can see that at least there's like an attempt at tension but at least uh but but it, it goes so far beyond to me of like how long that section should have been like that whole scene should have been it just started to like after a while it just made starts to feel like okay looks like someone's like really clamoring to get to that 90 minute run sure, mark sure and uh, uh i think maybe maybe the maybe the reason is because you you know, exact, maybe for me, I know exactly how that scene's going to end. I know what the twist is going to be. So then it's like, okay, let's just fucking move on. Like, I know what's going to happen. But then in their minds, they're thinking like, this is going to be fucking awesome. This is going to be like, <laughs> you're going to feel like, oh man, you're going to feel like that release. Like, oh man, she's fine. And she's going to get away, you know, you know, and it's, I understand that that was the way that it was, but it just stretches it out so much for people who know exactly how it's going to turn out. So there, there's some, like, really kind of amateur miscalculations there in the in the film that makes it um, just kind of what we talked about when we uh, did an episode on, like, pink flamingos, and, like, sometimes we talk about these movies that mm-hmm. you see where they stand at that place in time uh, yeah. as far as, like, pushing the envelope for the genre and uh, opening <laughs> up to like a new kind of way that you can do things in that sense. Like I can see the value in it, but otherwise it's just like, it's just kind of worthless to, to, to watch it now for any other reason. Totally. Well, to answer,
2: uh, I think you might've answered your own question and I was going to answer it as well. Uh, when you, in re- reference to angst, you said, you know, that the the director, uh, Gerard Cargill was so good at you know, doing what he did, but is that a good thing? Um, and I would say it, it is a good thing because if it, if it wasn't, or if he wasn't so good at doing that, you would just have a, like another gross, like mm-hmm. sort of like tossed off cheap thrills movie, like maniac, or I, I thought a lot, uh, like, to, like you brought up video nasty. Um, I watched, uh, or actually I didn't finish it. Um, this, have you either of you seen Island of death?
0: No. I know uh, about it.
2: You know about it. Okay. So, um, I, I obtained a free uh, Blu-ray of this at a uh, video store day at Scarecrow last year. Because um, if you like bought X amount of uh, spent X amount of money, they they were giving out free swag, and so I got a Blu-ray of it, which Arrow put out. The transfer was good, but the movie itself, I was just like, I can't, I can't sit through this. Like it's it's <laughs> it's too it's just too gross. Like like not just like mm-hmm. I, and I like. It's, it's the way it went about it. And then I read a little bit more about the movie and I, I don't remember the director's name and, and I, I don't care enough about the movie to look it up. But um, <laughs> but he had said something effective, like he had watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and said, that wasn't that scary or that wasn't that gory. And so he's like, I want to push the envelope. And I was like, you completely misunderstood yeah. exactly what that movie, like the behind so that. assholes
0: and, like that who just like, totally missed the point and make like the exact opposite of what you would expect. Exactly. And that's why a movie great like, horror film.
2: And that's why a movie like Ox is so important. Because mm-hmm. it know because it it understands that like it understands exactly what kind of movie it is. And it understands that it's not this just like cheapo exploitation movie. It understands that it's trying to put you into a worldview of somebody that you may not want to be in those shoes. But you at least like understand, like getting that, like understand where someone like that comes from, how they think. Um, and I think like understanding how your movie is going to be made like that is is important because then you have, you just have too many filmmakers mm-hmm. who make scummy movies like Maniacs. So I think it's mm-hmm. important. I do yeah. think it's important. Uh, so I'd, I'd say to answer your question, Octay, I'd say uh, yes, it is a good thing.
0: Well, well <laughs> I, 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 I mean, uh, f- first of, let me clarify real quick that I wasn't trying to say that it's a bad movie or it's, it's not a movie that, even though it accomplishes what it sets out to do almost perfectly, that it's um, it has no worth or something because it's not as uh, it puts you in a position that you might not want to be in. What I was trying to say is that usually when cl- critics talk about you know what makes a great movie is that it's a most of the time it's a movie that accomplishes what it's trying to accomplish uh, as as greatly as it can. Mm-hmm. And this is a film that certainly does that. But then my point was that, was that this is the kind of film that deserves that kind of asterisk at the end of that recommendation. Oh, sure. To tell people, like, this is where it puts you. It puts you strictly into the mind of a serial killer and it keeps you there for, like, an hour and 15 minutes, which kind of feels like almost four hours because of how deeply uncomfortable... It becomes, but this is the kind of film that will put you into that kind of mental state that perhaps you might not want to be in. But as far as a, a cinematic, a unique cinematic experience is concerned, it is um, it is definitely worthwhile for that.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting that um, I know what you mean, Octave. That you're saying like it feels like almost like a, a lot longer than it is. But um it's actually I, I get that. I think that would be the case for most people. Uh, maybe it's strange, maybe it's just another weird aspect of my fucked up personality. I actually think the movie blow, like just breezes by. <laughs> like it's for one, just the fact that it is like 75, 80 minutes long. Like the Jared Cargill and the crew like for the movie, they knew to keep it short and sweet. There is zero filler in Angst. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really tightly controlled and it and it um Uh, I think a few other uh, differences between the two movies that come to mind is, um, as I'm hearing what you guys are saying, is it's the difference between empathy and sympathy, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, Nobody in Angst sympathizes with this character, but they are deeply invested in, as Ryan said, understanding this perspective. Scary as Mm -hmm. it it is, I think there's always – good in that, or it's always worthwhile at least, or it definitely, it shouldn't be shut out of existence. That's another reason it's so cool that this movie has sl- slightly resurfaced in the movie world is that like, it shouldn't be buried. These, this is like not negative history. It's just scary, you know, like it's too good at what it does. Um, mm-hmm. And then you look at, uh, hearing your complaints about maniac, I couldn't agree more. Like the sort of weak half-assed attempt to, to, st- start a quasi relationship in that movie between the killer and this incredibly beautiful, uh, completely fake and understanding New Yorker that of course would never talk to this person. I agree. Like it's so forced and just half-assed. It feels like, because it's, it's this really weak attempt and it's, it's much lazier. And I think it's easier too, from like a filmmaking perspective to try to make you sympathetic to this killer, which is bizarre. Like, um, uh, I have no, I have no issue with that in theory, but like, why, why, why does, and that's where that's the filler in, in maniac. I, I really see is that all that drawn out stuff that could be really interesting. If you actually tried to flesh out this relationship between someone who was falling for a killer, but had no idea, that's, that's great material. I, I mean, there've been other movies about that and, and stories, um, but maniac just has this really weak half-assed thrown in filler, like attempt at it. And um, it's just bizarre to me that there's enough empathy going on in Maniac, but like they also want you to kind of feel for this guy, whereas Angst has no allusions to that. It's like, no, no, this guy is going to get out of prison, and he's going to, over the next 24 hours, as you are essentially stuck to him throughout the movie, literally sometimes with the camera, you're going to just go through this very intimate one-time thing in this moment, whereas Maniac is this sort of boring secession of kills you know it's got the slasher formula much more whereas angst just zeroes in i think all those things are just like a lot of the good reasons why angst is like just such an incredible movie and mm-hmm. why its differences are just what elevates it beyond just the 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 crazy experiential thrill of watching like incredibly immersive cinema mm-hmm.
2: I, absolutely
0: yeah, I'm I, think, close- I think i think, I think- uh, films like Maniac and like uh, shock value films like that especially mm-hmm. I don't think that the filmmakers are of course you know sympathizing with the killers I think the problem is that they see other films do much better job of doing that just like you know Maniac mm-hmm. is of course obviously a direct ripoff of Psycho I mean even going by the titles like Psycho Maniac the guy is like obsessed with his mother, uh, killing women because he's like, and then the, the whole mannequin thing is also like connected to Norman Bates uh, keeping his mother's corpse in the basement and all that. But um, I think they look at all that, and the, the the thing with Maniac is just like such a scattershot uh, approach of like they just looked at every single like famous serial killer and they took a little bit of Ed Gain and then they took a little bit of Son of Sam. And then they took a little bit of this and that, and then they tried to create, like, okay, we're going to tell the story from the killer's perspective. But I don't think they were smart enough or nuanced enough to be able to pull that off. So he just kind of comes across as this, like, weird sad sack that you're like, well, I'm not, like, he's a piece of shit killer. Like, it's just, I'm not going to empathize with this character. Like, they, they just go the lazy route of, like, him doing... You know, creepy voices and like being obsessed with his mother just like a laundry list of cliches that were like brought up on uh, real and fictional serial killers uh, up until that point. And it doesn't really add anything to that. I think I think that's the reason why. And uh, Angst did a similar research into like I think it's based on like two or three famous like German or Austrian um, Mm -hmm. serial killers. And uh, like for like, they did their research and they went into it in a way that like, okay, we're just going to present the horrible truth of like what goes on in the minds and the past and what happened in the past for people like this in a way that will make you empathize it, but also not make you sympathize with their actions. It's like when um, Ryan brought up the character in Manhunter and he says something like... um, you know how much he empathizes with those, like how sorry he feels for them, but then like he wouldn't hesitate for a second to put a bullet through their heads if he caught them. Uh, so uh, angst almost like revels in that kind of um, in that kind of gray area where you're just like you just want this guy to just stop immediately because the whole time you not only are you seeing him like plan his murders, you're also privy to his head through all these voiceovers and those voiceovers never give you a single second of respite from the horrible narrative, because even in scenes where like nothing seems to be really going on, like for example, he's at the diner and he's (laughs) eating his sausage and he's just like staring at these girls, which is kind of inherently creepy, but it's not like a horrifyingly like tense scene, like, the uh the hallway stabbing and stuff like that but yeah. but then you're you constantly hear his voiceovers during like quiet moments like that too and he's just like uh you know planning on how he's going to like kill these girls and like what he's gonna do and like it's constantly like it's that mixed with like his inner monologue about his past and how his like mother abused them and how like all these people abused them how his stepfather abused them and just like going through all of that. Uh, to give him kind of like um, to give the audience kind of a reference point about like where this guy is coming from. But then at the same time, the director does this really smart thing of uh, juxtapositioning, juxtaposing the the voiceover where he's talking about like all this horrible stuff that happened to him as a child, that voiceover almost always pops up whenever he's doing something horrible on screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's always that push and pull about like, You know, my mommy beat me and my stepfather abused me and then blah, blah. But then that's the voiceover. But on the screen, you're seeing images of him like horribly drowning, like a disabled man or something like it's just Mm -hmm. like it's so it just goes through that push and pull and just like never really like lets you go and that's why it's it's like such a powerful experience absolutely just real quick
1: i i want to hear what ryan has to say i'm sorry to cut you off but it occurs to me really quick that um what you're saying octay is another reason i think angst has actual value for, for watching for going through the experience for having empathy is think about all the um uh, m- monsters, whatever you want to call them. Uh, predators is the best word uh, that have been outed in the last month or whatever since Harvey Weinstein. Like if we think about that mentality of a lot of them when they have tried to respond to these accusations, it I feel like angst gives you that that actual insight because it's so well-researched to the psychology of a fucked up, in this case, a psychopath, you know, but also a, a sociopath, which is – a little bit more that we're dealing with with uh, the the people that have been outed lately as like you know being predator and stuff is you see that sort of behavior trying to justify or actually make you feel bad for them while they're doing that horrible stuff or while they're trying to quote unquote apologize you know what I mean like that's mm-hmm. why I think yeah. you don't you I don't I don't know about you guys but after the election last year I don't want to feel naive to things anymore I don't want to be surprised by um, I don't want to know on a daily basis the horrors that happen in this world. You know, there's only so much you can take, but I don't want to be oblivious to it. And mm-hmm. angst has value as well to just like a little bit of insight to how fucking sociopathic minds operate. And I mm-hmm. think, I, you know, understanding that a little bit better makes me better equipped to like deal with horrific news that keeps coming out and actually maybe do something about it so it can Happen less in the future.
0: If this is just feeling completely helpless and being able to, why would people act like this? It doesn't make sense. And then you're like, it's still horrific, but it's, it's, I know what's going on. I know where they're coming from. That's
2: what powerful cinema can do. Cause that seems to be because all three of us, you know, we were clearly film lovers and that's sort of how we see and process the world and everything that goes around us through the things that we love uh and for the three of us that's that's cinema and so i feel like you know watching a movie like this that doesn't uh that doesn't sugarcoat anything that's like yeah these these people do exist in the world and and it's it is refreshing like not refreshing that may not be the right word but what what <laughs> i'm what i'm but what i'm trying to say is like to just to just understand somebody that you may not know, like understand
0: the yeah, no, world no, no, that you may no no not matter, know, no, matter, no what matter what it is. Like, no it, matter what it that, is. That, exactly. That could be something completely uh, innocent, or it could be something completely horrific yeah, like this. It could be this, or, or tell, it could just you be you like people a people's stories brutally and without, you know, and that, that was actually, um, you know, for me, the masterpiece of, and the beginning uh, point for all of these, like har- serial killer movies told a, Completely from a serial, the killer's perspective, the the clear masterpiece to me in that in that sub genre is Peeping Tom. Mm, I just and, watched that the other day for the first time. <laughs> oh, great! Uh, I hope you did. You like it? I loved it. Yeah, that's like movies a masterpiece. And uh, but Michael Powell's reaction to the um, I mean, people thought of you, you watch Peeping Tom now, and it's just it's kind of quaint in comparison. But like in 1960. The way that people reacted to films like Maniac or Anx, that's what people thought of Peeping Tom. They thought it was just like sleaze, trash, exploitation, just violent for violence's sake. And it was just people just thought it was disgusting. And um, Michael Powell's reaction, part of the reason why he kind of went away for a while. And people usually uh, dress up that story as if like he wanted to like just he was still clamoring to just keep making movies, but then, like, you know, his reputation was so destroyed by Peeping Tom that he was kind of, like, shunned. And there's there's a there's a bit of that, but at, also at the same time, like, the depression, the shock that came from, like, the this, like, immediate visceral negative reaction to the story for Michael Powell was a big deal because he was looking at it as just another story to tell. He was like, this is the story, this is the character, and this is the story that, he wanted to tell but at the same time it's like he couldn't soften the blow he just wanted to like tell the truth about how a character like this operates and i think i think that's the problem with that kind of just like um i don't know like reactive mentality when it's just like just because the subject matter of the film might be disturbing that doesn't make the filmmaker um you know Sleazy or terrible it might just be the exact opposite they might be just opening you up to like like kind of inviting you to face some of the horrors in our society so we can like deal with them head on mm-hmm. and uh you know I think Michael Powell had that um had that perspective and I think the director of angst has that has that kind of perspective and in both cases in in many ways like they they were just kind of i you know rewarded in quotations uh with uh just this kind of uh wrath which uh i think to me it just feels uh especially in michael powell's case completely um undeserved
1: agreed yeah i feel like peeping tom and angst would actually make a really wonderful double feature (laughs) yeah Uh, wonderful
2: might be the wrong word but
1: like they'd make they'd really sync up also quite well i think you make a, a good point
2: not to dive too far back um, to uh, a earlier discussion, um, but um, it might have been something Eric said. I'm not sure. But there was like three things that popped in my head that I wanted to address um, in a discussion that was kind of ping pong back and forth. Uh, number one, when I mentioned uh, – just double back to Maniac real quick – when I mentioned that the last third of the movie gets interesting, I just want to clarify. That doesn't mean that it was necessarily good. It's just like <laughs> – Yeah, like, it but, is. But, no, but, yeah. but like that – if that was the whole time – because the idea – if the whole movie had been the idea of this ki- like this killer but he was like a functioning psychopath – like that we saw him in like, like American know, like, Psycho or something. Well, like yeah, like American Psycho. That's a good comparison. I was gonna say even like Urban Leader in Anx, like the scene where it's like mm-hmm. he's talking about this horrific shit, but he's just eating a sausage, and he just mm-hmm. he looks creepy just because of his demeanor. But like he's just he's doing a normal he's doing a normal person thing he's just e- eating food and so it's like if it, had, it was something like that where it's like this person's functioning in society but also he does this terrible thing that would have been more interesting but it's obviously it's not built up really well um secondly i know eric mentioned something about like the following the character literally with the camera work we should probably eventually get to and i'm going to yes. butcher his name but uh big new uh Rybchinski? I think that's I I, I it's probably screwed it up. Yeah, I I did my best. Um, I did my best with that. It's it's a hard name to this pronounce, but he's a Polish. Cin- oh my god, it's incredible. Like, you know, we we've um, you know, there's um, ah, what's his yeah, name? Th-
0: I think I think Spike Lee was taking notes. Well,
2: Spike <laughs> not Lee or or that. or uh, Benoit Deby was who? As I was about to yeah. mention, who's Gaspar's yeah, yeah. cinematographer and shot Spring Breakers and Lost River. Like he he um. Like he definitely took notes for that movie too, because like the it always
0: cam- has that like camera attached, like a foot away from the actor.
2: Requiem for a Dream he and used just that like
0: too. following mm-hmm. what they're doing, yeah, it just it it does an amazing job of like literally placing you almost inside even, the mind. Even
2: of the, the fucking Hangover used a similar <laughs> shot from this movie. Yep. There's the shot when mm-hmm. they wake up from the bachelor party and and Ed Helms, like the camera I... strapped to him. And I was like, when I saw Angst, I was like, oh my God, even that movie references this movie. That's, See, like that's like think... some far reaching think... shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Angst, as far as I know, I'd love it if anybody that listens to this show has an earlier reference, but I think this is the first movie where they actually did that because cameras we're still pretty heavy in 1982 or 83 when they were making it, but like it was light enough to be able to make it work. And um, yeah, cause I, I, that was the first, one of the first things I thought when I saw angst for the first time, I was like, wow, dude, like they were so ahead of their time when you see with much lesser or bulkier, heavier, more difficult equipment that they can pull these things off that we see it's almost like it's uh, it's sort of passe now that it's in a hangover movie, you know? Like, right. that's incredible. I love that jolt of that when you catch an older film. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it's I'm so glad you brought his name up, Ryan, because there's actually a lot of reports that um, even, I think, Gerald Cargill, the director, he might say it on one of the Blu-ray features or he's been quoted in interviews as, he actually, Zibig, Ribazinski, the, the DP, is kind of, by all accounts, the one most responsible for this film. It's more his film, they think, than than Cargill. Mm. He also, he's the also the editor, we should point right. out. And a, and a co-writer with Cargill. And mm. uh, apparently Cargill had, uh, it had to do with, he had really like bad debts that were like happening while they made the film. And it was like taking over a lot of his time, I, I believe. And mm. also that he was just becoming more removed from how intense the, the film was, that it became, it was, in a way, it sounds like um, a more, I guess, fair sort of handing off than something you hear about, like with Poltergeist. You know that like Spielberg directed it, but Toby Herper's d- credited. You know, but like this is, by most accounts, that this guy is behind it, and um, that I mean, have you guys heard about the the like mirror effect he used with yes. his camera work? It's mm. it's hard to explain, but essentially, he strapped the camera uh, a mirror to reflect what the camera was shooting and they filmed everything in reverse it's either in reverse or upside down i think it's in reverse and they sh- it it's like it was filmed in reverse but then when they play the film back you know it it has that weird it's such a weird effect but like you see it in certain scenes and it's one of those like things that um you know something is off about the imagery that you're seeing but you you can't necessarily like pinpoint it, but you know it just adds to that effect of like, oh my god, I'm in this nightmare that I cannot escape, and everything is off. To be honest, I think David Lynch would love this film. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he might
2: uh, already do. Who knows? I yeah. don't know if he's not a record set. It, it has it, a
0: but... very like the, the the makeup in it, especially like the old moon's makeup has this oh, like yeah. very exaggerated theatrical, cakey, uh, cakey, like yeah, very like nightmare logic look to it, and in, in many ways, which like really adds in the uh, the really kind of off-putting spooky element beyond what an uber realistic uh, depiction of like a uh, serial killer like like the Henry portrait of a killer uh, right. does in this way of just like very straightforward uh, in your face like no real like embellishments kind of thing and this finds a way to like make you know have the style like really worked for it uh in terms of like creating this like really uncomfortable um uh nightmare vision.
1: Ryan, what was your uh, third point? I think I think we sort of diverted from that.
0: Oh, yeah, this
2: is this is minor. Um I think it was in reference to um it was in reference to angst being like above that sort of like slasher type movie. Um mm-hmm in regards to maniac there's one there's one negative thing i could say about ox and it's not the movie's the movie itself the poster if you see the poster on yep. shutter or the blu-ray it's terrible and not a good representation Ugh. of the movie uh, no. like i it's I, like a michael bay
1: platinum dunes
2: picture well, I, feel, yeah. I feel bad for anybody who did watch this movie and like they were scrolling through their it's shutter just
0: based on the well, poster well yeah. it's
2: in the stalker section so it's in with like a movie like maniac like if you scrolled through mm-hmm. it would it would there would be similar movies like that and then to be like ox i never heard of that that could be like a cool slasher movie. Oh. Killer with the knife and the woman
0: <laughs> screaming. Like it's gonna be like a bloodbath. It's gonna yeah. be like this exploitation. You know. Suddenly, why do I feel ill? Yeah, there's much? exactly and, and, and for a movie that dis- disturbing. It has for a movie that disturbing. It has shockingly little amount of gore. I mean that that one scene is it's got one. Like yep. it, it, it uses its like basically uh, whatever it was allotted during yep. this one scene for mm-hmm. the whole movie. And but boy the rest is it of it
2: fucking brutal, man. Whew. Yeah,
0: it's it's. Well, that but was that was uh,
2: where my like Island of Death but Texas that's what Chainsaw M- think
0: is going
2: to be exactly. Well, that's where I brought in the like Island of Death Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing because like this movie isn't gory it, like that gory you know the, except for the that scene you brought up and it's the same with Texas Chainsaw Massacre like people think mm-hmm. that movie in their mind they remember that being movie being more like gory than it is but it's because it's so experiential and it's so. Raw and it's so in your face about it that <laughs> that you feel because you've been put through the ringer, you feel that it's that uh, violent uh, because it's that intense. And so um, Toby
0: Hooper was actually going for a PG rating, which was like <laughs> that was insane on its own right. But he also, <laughs> yeah, as much as he, he's, yeah,
2: well, he also you know as much as you guys know that I really really enjoy the second movie too. But like, yep, Jesus Christ, like he said <laughs> in the commentary, he's like, yeah, you know there was uh you know i mean rest in peace like we we miss toby hooper i'm not not speaking mm. ill of him whatsoever but he did say on the commentary for part 2 that he's like yeah you know there was there was uh you know dark humor in the first one and and i don't think a lot of people picked up on it so i really wanted to <laughs> put that in the second i was like i no. wonder why toby <laughs> <laughs> it was cuz you have a guy dancing with a chainsaw before you cut to black <laughs> exactly mm. so that was that That's... was that was an eye-opening uh, piece of information when I watched that
1: commentary. That, I'm like that whole thing with intent versus, uh, I guess, like a subjective reading of a movie that's always endlessly fascinating. Yeah, because you know?
2: like I, artist's intent may not necessarily align with what you get out of the movie because it's so personal <laughs> to like your viewing experience. And so... Well,
0: we kind of we kind of talked about this a little bit in the Texas Chainsaw episode and you can go back and listen to that too. But, um, uh, but yeah, especially that tends to be the case, especially when you look at what toby hooper did with the rest of his career like he never really made a film quite like texas chainsaw massacre the films that he made after that were all like very kind of in your face showmanship kind of um horror flicks um like monster felt flicks, or um you know the fun house and texas chainsaw 2 even life Uh, force life force like it's these are all (laughs) just like very over the top like kind of almost gaudy um genres like the showcases that are thematically and stylistically as far away as you can get from the first Texas Chainsaw as as possible so there is something to be I think said about like uh, maybe he unintentionally made a masterpiece but then at the same time it's like what difference does it make as long as that film exists in the world um, in the way that it does I wanted to kind of bring up, like, did either did any of you watch the Maniac remake with Elijah Wood? I've not. Unfortunately, seen it. yes, uh, I've not seen Ryan, it. Ryan, what'd you no. say? Yeah, I did not it? No, I I watched a lo- little bit of it. Uh, it's terrible. definitely not enough to. Um, is it? It's terrible. Oh, you have seen it. I have. Uh, sorry, Eric. Yes, me, Eric. I have seen it. I spoke oh, over okay. Ryan I, earlier. Oh, I'm okay. I'm sorry, dude. I thought, I thought no, you no, seen, it, you hadn't seen it. Yeah, I, okay. I saw. I saw. I saw just a little bit of it, and it just does this like really. Yeah, I can't can't really say it's terrible or great because I didn't, like, really make it that far past. But it does have this thing where it's, like, yeah, the casting might be smarter because Elijah Wood immediately doesn't come across as a creep. Right. Uh, So it's, like, it goes for that, like, you never know who's going to turn out to be the real sicko kind of uh, ambiguity. But then at the same time, it does have that, like, uh, more spiffy, cleaner, like, more, like, stylized, like... uh, look that like really bothers me when people remake like really grimy gritty films like this uh yeah yeah. you know it's because it's just like it's it's such a such an attractive kind of almost like a 90s mtv style look that it's just like really doesn't gel with like how awful the actual material on screen is and that's always the case that I you know that that's always the criticism that I always bring up like the Platinum Dunes remakes or uh, the the Hills of Eyes remakes for example it's like you know why is even though they they're almost like shot for shot remakes why is the Hills of Eyes 2006 version like kind of a depraved piece of crap and the original is like so it's still so effective still and that's and there are many many reasons behind that as far as like the talent of the director and all that stuff goes but um but i think part of it is with with films like this is because um, they kind of sidestep the the organically uh kind of grimy dark uncomfortable look of films like that and make him look way too attractive for what they're for what the uh the context of the story is
1: it's like the wrong. It's like the wrong uh, ways to make a remake different. It's like I'm always glad to see a different tactic if they're going to remake something. But it, yeah, it's like it, it. I'm with you. It almost never really comes out good in the end that way.
0: So Eric, you sat through the whole thing, so, so you I did, and like, you know, it doesn't get better. <laughs> no, and uh, to be honest, I think I was
1: being quite a bit hyperbolic. It's been since it came out in theaters. I think 2012 when I saw it. So I'm a little fuzzy on it. I, I just remembered thinking like I was pretty underwhelmed. Um, But it's, it is interesting to note about the maniac remake that it is an example of to circle back to the beginning of like, it was released in some theaters in 3d. And it has that enter the void. The camera is the POV of the killer. So it's, it's literally a bad it's the example without even realizing it it's another connection these movies have in a weird way that like to what i was saying like Anx doesn't need 3d it's so fucking immersive in the filmmaking it's just an argument against it and then maniac the remake is another argument against it it's it's just and, and the idea
0: of, like, of, a, of a film of a film like that like just being marketed or being put out there as nothing more than like a popcorn fun piece of Entertainment as if you're like walking in to watch the next Marvel movie or something, but then you're seeing this like really depraved, uh, violent, horrific story of like told from a serial killer's perspective, but it's in 3D, so it's gonna be like, if we're gonna have fun, kids, like that kind of approach that like, makes me feel really icky. It is
1: worth saying that Elijah Wood, I think you referenced this Octa already, but Elijah Wood is a much more interesting casting choice because he can conceivably have a relationship and they do have that subplot, if I remember right, in the remake. And it is more believable. He can be creepy, but also you believe that he, like... Can he could actually have a relationship with women if he could pretend to be normal, you know, like that works. And then uh, if I remember right, I think the score it's, there's a really great score in the remake by Rob, mm. I think is his name, or he's a DJ or something. I, I don't know. But uh, the synth score for the maniac remake is um, I actually listened
2: to it a lot and uh, much better than the movie it's with. So, well, should we know. also mention the Klaus Schultz score for angst? I don't think we even brought yes. that up either. Oh Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah.
0: That's,
1: it's great. of Tangerine Dream. He was briefly a part of Tangerine Dream. Yes. Yep.
2: That is that is true.
0: Yeah, the score is incredibly effective by not just taking the front stage. Yeah. At, yeah. At any point. It's just it just it's like goes rhythm. with the experience. It's almost like the the soundtrack to the killer's mind, just like the voice the voiceover lets you enter the killer's mind whether or not you want it to. The soundtrack, the the kind of like the rhythm of the soundtrack, kind of like fits in there as well so everything is just like is working towards this like 100% immersive experience but then the asterisk of that like I mentioned the that recommendation goes like this is what you're getting into like it just depends on like whether or not you want to go through that kind of an experience
1: yeah it's almost like the the there's like these weird kind of bass synthy hits I remember through them like it's kind of staccato and like the rhythm gets thrown off in the movie throughout it in angst and it's almost as if like it's the, his brain or like, it's like his brain convulsing in his head and he, it's like making him aggravated. I don't know. It has such an effect like that with the sound design, like in the, one of the opening scenes is him getting out of prison and there's this like amplified water dripping effect, which would drive anybody. It's, you know, literally using water torture techniques to like get in your head, the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. I just love that kind of effective stuff because sound design or sound and score it's like the thing I'm finding myself geeking out about more and more when I see a really good film. Um, it's kind of that thing where it's like it's your cheapest special effect as a filmmaker and the ones that use it the best give it's that it's the thing that I think makes it the most three dimensional as a viewer, the most immersive, you know, which is just a word that for good reason keeps coming up in this conversation. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. I wanted to also say, just real quick, I guess another... I mean, we mentioned the the lead actor of Angst, Erwin Um, He's incredible in this movie, and he has some of the most gonzo, buggy eyes. And <laughs> you just... The fact, it's terrifying because you want to look... He's very watchable. But, of course, that's another of these juxtapositions in the film where you're like, I, I know what he's thinking, I and then I know what he's doing. I don't want to watch this guy, but... These eyes, yeah, man.
0: He's, he's so good out. at it almost like I haven't seen him in anything else, but he's so das good
1: boot. at it. Um I don't Yeah, remember. that dude. He's also in a movie that one of the last ones I think was my picks when I was on the show uh, more regularly. It was he's apparently in taxidermia. He's at least credited on IMTV. But like yeah, like it sounds like you I don't remember him from the movie, which is weird. Maybe know, he just or. looks Maybe it's like 20 years later, so maybe he just looked different. But, um, no, apparently... I, was, I was,
0: yeah, I was gonna say that it's, uh, if this was his only credit, like it wouldn't be surprising if someone made a movie about the making of it and it turns out that he was an actual, like, real serial, <laughs> serial killer. No, just like, like that, 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 uh, Shadow of the Vampire movie where it's like I, the making love... of Nosferatu, but like Max Shrek is like an actual vampire. I love that. That, yeah, it's such a
1: cool concept. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's, uh, he's a, just a really like there's interviews with him on the blu-ray as well Irwin leader and uh he's a still a working actor um like he's got a ton of credits to his name he's i think he's actually pretty famous in germany and austria so
0: Mm. he's really good at it i have to definitely get that so here's another
1: weird piece of trivia about angst um and it has to do with the dp whose name we keep murdering probably but zip zip (laughs) again zbigena okay so this guy the same year that angst uh i guess quote unquote came out 1983 it's also like it didn't really get a release but that's when it was like released i guess this dude won an oscar for a short film called tango this po- this this guy that's the dp so the same year that this dude made this like completely buried undervalued at the time uh disgusting to most people who saw it movie angst the same year he was accepting an academy award for a short film oscar it's uh it's both proof of like actually how deeply respected that guy is and uh I just it puts a smile on my face. I can't fucking believe that that would happen. Yeah, <laughs> no,
2: that's really cool. It's that's awesome. I actually didn't know that. That's pretty You
1: can find you can find the uh short film Tango it's called and just make sure you look up 1983. It's on YouTube and oh, it's it... like really Yeah, it's like really um kind of just old fashioned stop motion but it's super mm. clever short
2: film. It's, I already uh, googled his name so I could try and pronounce it decently. So and that's like the fourth thing that popped up is the tango video. So I'm definitely yeah. going to check it out when we, when we disperse. That that's awesome. I recommend it. Awesome. Cool. Well I think we're probably getting pretty close to wrapping up. Uh um and sorry right, to take yeah, over. Yeah. I know Octa is the one yeah, kinda that's, that's like emceeing What do, what do this you thing.
0: guys uh, yeah, what do you guys think? Should we start uh wrapping it up? And uh do you have any like final words to say about either of these films?
2: I think I've said my piece though. I'm about to uh, I'm about to make Joe Von Oppen proud. Uh if you need to get your, <laughs> your William Lustig fix on
0: yeah. Maniac
2: Cop 2 is his Magnum yeah. opus, so you should definitely uh, check that out. <laughs> yeah. You're uh, after
1: my co-host heart, Ryan
2: Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen have either of you seen the Maniac Cop movies? Ah. Uh, uh, when
0: the- I was a kid, um like in the early nineties or something, I've seen I think the first one. But yeah, those movies are are appropriately schlocky and yes. stupid. And that's what William Lustig was kind of uh, is that the guy's name, the director? Yeah, yeah. That's what he was kind of destined to be and that's why maniac is like so frustrating at times to watch because he takes he's taking himself a bit too seriously. But then you have, you know, because Maniac Cop, I should, like, catch up with again, because it doesn't have, like, Robert Zadar and, like, Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell. in it. Robert yeah. Zadar
2: is the Maniac Cop. Is no. the Maniac Cop. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You, you, exactly, can't, you can't mistake that jaw, dude. Like, it's <laughs> Yeah, of it's, course. It's Yeah,
0: yeah. Of course, being a huge fan of uh, Samurai Cop, I have to. I have to. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, but, yeah I, mean, yeah, I haven't seen – there's three of them, apparently. I did not see the third one. but um I've seen one and two. They were on Hulu briefly. I don't know if they are anymore, but uh, – I caught them when they were on there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, Octi, they're appropriately shocky. They know what they are, and and they're a lot of fun. Um, but Maniac is...
0: Robert, but I should, I should catch up with them again. You should. Mm-hmm. But, yeah,
2: that it is what makes Maniac frustrating is it's just like it's... You see the movie it could be, and then it's right. just kind of perfectly content. Again, uh, you know, I know, I've already uh, belabored the point, but... I just – I really think it would have gone the route of, like, The Mutilator or Pieces, uh, you know, if it – had it not just been – had it not been from the killer's perspective, it would just be another, like, knockoff slasher movie.
0: Yeah, Pieces is exactly what you think it is. I thought about
2: Pieces <laughs> a lot.
0: tagline in film history. When I rewatched
2: this, because uh, I hadn't seen uh, Maniac since I saw Pieces um, – the uh I mean granted the pieces isn't from the killer's perspective or anything, but like the sort of end game of what they're doing with the uh their victims is like really similar and it, i had a hard time taking it seriously in Maniac because cause of pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so all
0: right. Well, um yeah, that about does it for um Ooh, could I just have a few yeah, more closing thoughts? Oh, sorry, sorry, go
1: ahead. No, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. I am sorry I it won't be long, I promise. Um yeah, I guess for me, like in closing, the real difference between the movies is Angst is like this crazy art house version of the type of movies we're discussing. And I think it's this glorious, like, uh, in terms of using cinematography and the other tools of cinema to tell its story, it's sort of this beautiful combination in my mind of like the innovation of two films that should never otherwise be joined together, but citizen Kane and evil dead Two. It's just got this spirit to it where it's like crazy, the shit that they put together, uh, to make angst come to life and maniac, although it has some qualities, it's not awful by any means. It's just more of that, like generic, like rah, rah metal kind of like, yeah, this is fucking crazy movie that like Mm -hmm. I get, I don't be, I don't begrudge anybody that likes that. And we're not trying to disparage that. It's just like, it's less it's less appealing to me in this kind of movie. Um so yeah, I mean they're kind of incomparable even though they're so much alike uh in terms of like my respect for the for the two films. And just lastly, if anybody's still on the fence, if you've made it this far and you're on the fence to watch Angst, I'd say if you've if you got into the Netflix show hunter at all, Angst is a movie you should watch because it'll it'll like that character in Manhunter that uh Ryan referenced um you know, Mindhunter operates in similar uh, territory, you know, just trying to understand a killer's mind. Um, So I think that would be of interest to anybody watching that. Or also um, I, I really like the writer Chuck Klosterman and he has this weird obsession with serial killers he's written about in some books of his. And I always thought when I saw Anx, I was like, this is the movie for Chuck Klosterman. So if anybody knows the references, I, that reference, if you've read Chuck Klosterman's writing, um, hopefully this also helps you want to give Onks a chance because it's an amazing film.
0: Sweet. Here, here. All right. Well, um, yeah, let's, let's start wrapping it up, uh, right about now. And, um, thank you so much for listening to our last, uh, Halloween episode of the year and, uh, make sure to, uh, always check us out on the playlist.net at the, the podcast section on iTunes, and uh SoundCloud and I think Stitcher, right guys? Yep, we're on Stitcher. Yeah, and uh make sure to check out the other playlist podcasts like um Eric and Joe's Adjust Tracking and Bingeworthy and the regular playlist podcast that Ryan appears in uh from time to time. Um Hell yeah. Before we uh before we sign off, I do want to uh tease the um my picks for the next episode, and that's gonna be the This one episode that we're going to do before we head into our regular year-end episodes where we talk about our our overrated and underrated picks. And it looks like we're going to have Eric joining us for those as well, so we're really excited about that. Uh, But he's he's unfortunately not going to be joining us for the next episode, mainly because there's nothing weird or fucked up about the the movies that we're going to (laughs) be talking about. I'll never outrun Uh, that reputation. Yeah, that's 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 never gonna happen, dude. I earned it. Just just embrace it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's gonna be uh, since it's gonna be we're gonna be in the middle of the award season in December. I just thought it could be interesting to talk about uh, three best picture Oscar winners that I find to be all underrated. Uh, You know, people always talk about overrated best picture Oscar winners. Everybody has like a laundry list of movies that they think shouldn't have won that year and some other movies should have won and stuff like that. So I thought it could be interesting to talk about three movies that I think uh, that won Best Picture, but I think are not really, like, talked about as much as some of the others. Um, It's going to be... uh, The first pick is going to be F.W. Murnau's um, great melodrama, Sunrise, which I insist, like a lot of other... uh, Film Critics that it is actually the first uh, Best Picture winner. Uh, We'll talk about the details of that. Um, And then we're going to move on to 1945's uh, great but incredibly disturbing, especially for writers, um, Mm -hmm. uh, drama, um, The Lost Weekend. And then we're going to move on to 1955 Best Picture winner uh, Marty, written by uh, young Paddy Chayefsky. Of course, a lot of people know him for uh, writing Network. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about these three films about in, in context of the Oscars and the, the award season history. So uh, hopefully you'll join us for that one. And then... Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, that that about does it for us for this episode. Um, signing off. This is Oktay Kozak. I'm a film critic and contributor for um, the playlist. Pace magazine. <laughs> I forgot you got too many, dude. Yeah, I was like, I was like, which ones are? Who do I work for? <laughs> <laughs> Who do I work for? Okay, here, here I'll do it really fast. Pace magazine, the playlist, bassparade.com, and DVD Talk.
2: <laughs> signing off is ryan oliver i write here at the playlist i also host the uh playlist podcast as well signing off eric McClanahan. i don't write shit i only do a podcast
1: bitches <laughs> i just <laughs> i just do adjust your track Look at my
0: podcast shit that's right you
1: goddamn right um that's me <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Alrighty. all righty
0: thank, thank you so much for listening and uh check out these these films and have some jolly jolly nightmares thank you <laughs>